the So Av Podcast. Hello, welcome to the So Af podcast, a weekly roundup of African stories told by me, Enor Adegan, with some help from people from the motherland as well. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about a show that's got a lot of people talking recently, 90 Day Fiancé. We'll hear from Nigerians to find out if they would be open to dating someone they hadn't met in person as well. Also, we'll hear from a student at the Kwame Nkrumah University of Science and Technology in Ghana. He'll update us on what's happened since university students were attacked by university security officials that led to a huge protest by students. Today's spotlight is on a man that has divided opinion amongst many. Kweku Adaboli, a former investment manager and rogue trader who was convicted of illegally trading away 2 billion US dollars as a trader for the Swiss investment bank UBS. He's facing deportation to Ghana, a country that hasn't been his home since he was four years old. Should we pity him? I'm still not sure. Here are the headlines. The day that you have to use words said by Donald Trump to justify your actions is the day you should return your human membership. Well, it looks like someone needs to get the membership back from the Nigerian army. The army fired live rounds on Shia Muslim protesters in Abuja last week, killing a number of them. The Nigerian army says six protesters were killed. The protest group itself says dozens died. And rights group Amnesty International says the true number is 45. They've also rounded up 400 Shias and thrown them into jail. Why have they acted so despicably? Well, the Nigerian army shared a video on Twitter where Donald Trump claimed the US military would treat rock-throwing migrants as if they were in combat firing rifles. The Nigerian army captioned the video, please watch and make your deductions. That didn't go down well. The army has since deleted the tweet. A former Al-Shabaab commander has been given the green light to run in Somalia's regional election this month. Mukta Robo, also known as Abu Mansour, left the deadly evil militant group in 2012 and surrendered in August last year. He was, for obvious reasons, previously banned from running by the central government. But the Regional Election Commission has now decided it's a wise decision to clear him for running for the presidency of Southwest State. Just wow. The funerals of eight Coptic Christians that were killed by gunmen as they headed to a monastery in Egypt have taken place. IS have claimed responsibility for the attacks, which also left seven people injured, including children. This isn't the first time Egypt's Coptic Christian minority which is the main Christian group in Egypt, have been targeted simply because they are followers of Jesus Christ. This story really breaks my heart as earlier this year, I travelled to Egypt to put together a documentary one year on from the Palm Sunday church bombings in Tanta and Cairo that left 45 people dead and 126 injured. Why can't people of all faiths live together without fear of death in some parts of the world. It, it puzzles me and it's just so horrible. 
19 Islamist militants accused of carrying out the attacks have since been killed by police in a shootout. There's an extremely worrying anti-gay crackdown taking place in Tanzania's capital, Dar es Salaam. Paul Makonda, who is the capital's governor, has announced the creation of a surveillance squad dedicated to hunting down gay people and roundups are expected to begin this week. This squad is going to be checking people's social media as well as trying to track down people to arrest. It's mind-blowing. Homosexual acts are illegal in Tanzania, but you really can't get crazier than this. And Angola have won the 2018 Amputee Football World Cup in Mexico. They beat Turkey 5-4 in a penalty shootout in Sunday's final. Angola finished as runners-up at the last World Cup, so I'm sure they're really, really happy to go home heroes. The Still Ave Podcast. So I feel like each week I'm mentioning one of my best friends, which has made me realise that the reason all my friends seem to be my best friends is because I have a very very small number of really close friends that more or less become my sisters. Anyway, my best friend, in fact, my soul sister, Tracy, in New York, asked me whether or not I was watching TLC's 90 Day Fiancé before the 90 days. That's the full title. I wasn't, but I had seen so many clips of a couple on a particular episode So 30 Day Fiancé is one of the most dramatic, shocking, funny and painful shows on TV. All the ingredients a reality TV show needs. It offers a look into the world of international dating and in some case matrimony. Couples who have never met allow cameras to film their journey to first meeting in person and then taking the journey towards getting a visa to live with each other. So the couple I kept seeing on Instagram was a 52-year-old white American lady called Angela Deem and a man from Lagos in Nigeria in his 30s called Michael Ilasami. I bet you're already guessing this was a disaster that was meant to happen Yes, meant to. Of course, pick a Nigerian who is much younger, getting with a much older, overweight woman from America. Of course, everyone will think it's a scam. Of course, poor lonely Angela is being played for a fool. And add a bonus, he's Nigerian. Everyone knows Nigeria is the scam capital of the world. This, I imagine, was how the production meeting went down when producers were working out who they wanted to cast on the show. That is where the true scam lies. And I'm ashamed to admit, I fell for it when I watched clips online. Of course, Michael was a scam artist. It wasn't until I watched an actual episode or two after Tracy's recommendation that I actually felt so bad for Michael. So here's a clip from when Angela first met Michael when she flew over to Lagos. Michael took her to a market to showcase material he thought she would like to have made into something. I want to find it. Yeah, okay. Very pretty, yeah. No, this one is on my feet, you know? See? Wow. Oh, pretty good guys. You can get there for Scala. Okay, we'll <laughs> it's pretty fabric. Yeah. Can we just look at the material and don't bring out the dresses and all? Okay. Can we just start with that, Michael? All right. What do you think? What do you think about it? Huh? They're very beautiful, Michael. I just, I'm, I'm big. All right. Okay. In Nigeria, uh, the couples, 
we put on a, a matchmaking uh, outfit, no? Like I'm a, not Nigerian, Michael. Baby, are you on, are you denying me now? No, no, no. no I'm no. just saying I'm American, and you knew that when I come here, right? Yo, just look at the the points. <laughs> it's beautiful. Explain that. Then it's not how material, but I'm self-conscious about my wage. Check, boy, Okay, you don't don't bring out the dress. Just you can maybe bring it out, but don't wag it. Don't like... wag it. Okay. You know, it looks embarrassing okay. to her because okay. she's fat. Okay. Okay. I'm not fat. <laughs> I'm fat, Michael. Really? What the? I just. Babe, I didn't mean, I didn't mean it. Don't don't do it, man. Okay, please, please, please. No, it's fine. I'm not mad, it's how you feel, my friend. No, I'm no. fine, just stop. It's already, you know, I'm trying to get used to the age difference maybe in my head. And then, you know, I got a little weight up here and here. And I mean, it was very um, embarrassing to me and insulting. You said it, you did it, you meant it, that's it. You wouldn't say that if you didn't mean it. The way she looks, Tommy and uh, downwards, she feels on uh, insecure about it and she gets upset so quickly i feel it's gonna be difficult to deal with her oh michael difficult is an understatement the series ends with angela returning to america only to find 900 has been removed from her account she calls him suspecting that when she gave him her card and pin to remove 300 dollars from her account that he actually removed more. He denies it, but she doesn't buy it. That's a clip that's gone viral. But guess what? Turns out the bank was at fault and all the money was actually returned. I only found this out in a sort of, I think it was like a reunion show, but not before someone was like, yeah, where is he from? That's like the scam capital of the world. Yeah, that was a black American accent I was trying to put on there. Anyway, she still ended up dumping poor old Michael live on TV. Poor Michael, lost in translation again, made her furious when they played a clip where he said in Nigeria that we respect our elders so he respects her so much. Just like the fat comment, in true Nigerian style, Michael was laying out the facts with zero tact and she wasn't having it. She flipped out. If a program doesn't give me food for thought, I won't watch it. That's definitely got me thinking about what it's like to date someone that lives in another country. I am so intrigued by the thought that anyone is able to date someone online and commit to a relationship before they've actually met in person. So I wanted to find out if I'm alone in in thinking this way. Maybe I'm just like too old and I need to get with the time. So I spoke with Nigerians to find out if they would be willing to. Yeah, of course, totally. I don't mind. I like being exposed to different cultures and just exposed to different people. I don't think that love sees skin color or or languages or any of that sort of stuff. So it's totally something I am for. I'm not against it at all. I would be open to dating someone in a foreign country. Yes, I would. I've read a lot about dating a foreigner. I've, I've watched a lot of movies about dating a foreigner. I would love to like experience it. I don't mind dating a person in a foreign country, although long distance relationships can be kind of tricky and stuff. It takes a certain level of maturity, trust and commitment to do that. But so long as there is a way in which we can see 
at different points in time of the year and we're able to communicate um, effectively even when we're apart, then yeah, why not? I'm definitely open to dating someone in a foreign country. Um, I mean, most of my relationships have been long distance, so I don't think it'll make any difference whether the person is in this country or in a foreign country. I think I'm even more interested in actually trying that out. So yes, definitely, I will be open to dating someone um, in a foreign country. To be honest, I don't know. I don't think it matters, though, if the reasons for the relationship are right and there's still going to be a time close by and reasonable enough that you guys will meet up in person. I mean, you cannot just be dating somebody for like seven years online or via the phone. You conduct your marriage via earpiece. You've never met him. And there's no, there's no plan of meeting him soon. That's just unrealistic. So if... The grounds for the relationship are right. You both love each other and you meet up soon enough. So cheating doesn't get involved, then why not? The Soul Ave Podcast. In a previous episode, I talked about a hashtag that had caught my eye on Twitter. That was hashtag KNUST brutality, which was to highlight an incident where university security officials attacked students from the Kwame Nkrumah University of Science and Technology in Ghana. Since then, students have protested, the university has shut down and students have been told that it will reopen this Thursday. So to find out more about what actually happened at the university, I spoke with the editor, Aaron Richard Eshun, editor of KNUST Live, which is the biggest online platform for KNUST, which is managed by students. A lot has been happening at your university recently, but I first became aware of what was going on when I saw the KNUST brutality hashtag that's being mm-hmm. used. What's going on? Okay, so um, for a while now, the security personnel on campus um, have been brutalizing students based on reasons which students have provoked um, brutality to that level. And it's, it first happened in September which the student council raised awareness on it, but it was ignored. Then as recent as 22nd October, I'm sorry, um, somewhere around 19th October, 18th October, um, a group of boys gathered to have this activity that's being done every Friday in a hall called University Hall, also known as Katanga. Now, in the during this, um, clapping and singing, the name for this activity is called morale or charging. Now, when this activity was going on, um, it became heated. So the students actually had a fight with the security personnel, which led to the arrest of some people. Now, in the arrest or when they were being arrested, the police or the security personnel, they are not the police actually, but they are the security personnel employed by the school. They were at post then and they brutalized some of these students that they arrested without any cause, obviously. So they paved the taser on them and they ended up beating them mercilessly, which uh, made one guy go to the hospital. Um, it was, and the problem was when the guy was tased and beaten, they expected them to take the guy to hospital first before 
he's taken back to the cells. But then he was taken straight to the cells and upon the notice of the SRC president, went to the cells and requested for his release. And he was later transferred to the hospital. Now, the students got frustrated and they decided to embark on a demonstration, which uh, the, um, the school or the university management tried to oppose. Now, after doing that, the students still went on to embark on this demonstration, which later ended up in a very uh, unpleasant thing and vandalized, uh, vandalized properties and all that. You know, wait, as I said, so much, obviously, even by your answer has happened. But I just want to, now that you've like, you've painted that picture, I want to just go Mm -hmm. back a bit. These, these parties, Mm -hmm. you you said they're called, did you say morale? Yes, that's, that's the technical name for the activity. And tell me, have you, do you attend these parties? What What are they like? It's not. It's not a party. It's, um, it's a group of boys who come together to sing and clap with um, traditional drums Only and boys. sing traditional songs. Only boys. Yes. Yes. Mm. Yes. Please. Yes. So they come together every Friday. It happens every Friday. So when it happens like that, they come together, um, sing, clap for about. It starts somewhere around six p.m. And somewhere around 12 a.m., 1 a.m. It's so interesting that you, you're saying, like, it's not a party. The way it's being reported in, I, I saw it, like, even in with the BBC, they were reporting it as these parties that they said are called um, jamborees. But no, is that not the case? No, it's, it's not a party. Wow. It's not a party. Okay. So then why these were banned, Right by the university. Yes. Exactly. So, so, what, exactly. so if they're just celebrating, oh, come on, are you are you missing something out in the story here, Aaron? No. If they're just, if no, they're just celebrating, the, why would they, you know, cancel <laughs> them? Now, that, that's right about the case here. Now, it was speculated that um, a group of the boys from, those, from that hall uh, petrol bombed a part of the hall which the boys came out to deny. And the university authorities claimed they issued, um, they issued um, a press release or a communique stating that the morale for that Friday, which brought about this whole brouhaha, will be banned. I mean, won't come on and should be banned for that Friday and subsequent days. Now, the problem here was the communication because according to the boys who went there, most of them didn't receive any of this um, messages going around or this community. So they went there trying to engage in the activity as um, usual. And, but they thought, or since they didn't see the community, they thought they were being sabotaged. That's why the security men came out because for a while now, the security men have been harassing them for a while now. So they thought it was part of that, uh, I mean, it's their regular thing to come and harass them or sabotage the whole process. So they were saying, okay, we didn't see any communication from the investment management. So how come, and so we don't even know this thing happened. We, did, we don't even know this was, a, this was the issue that happened about this sort of uh, petrol bombing and all that. So 
why would you why would you then come and try and stop us because we don't know anything so it was bad for a while now um, and I must put it on record that um even when we reopened, when school reopened for this semester, it was halted for a while, for like three to four, uh, three to close to three weeks before it, it was given the nod to go ahead again. And the reason for that, they didn't clearly state for the, I mean, for the first week, uh, for the first week. Now, I must state that the banning of this activity on Friday was exclusive to just Katanga Hall. So it was exclusive to just Katango. The other halls were having this, but the 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 ban on that Friday was exclusive to just University Hall or also known as Katanga Hall. And, and that but was the for, other halls for because they wanted to investigate this alleged petrol exactly, bombing. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, so exactly. the the boys that were um, you know, harassed and assaulted, were they huh? it wasn't at Katanga Hall then that they were picked up from? It was at Katanga. Oh, it that was day. at Katanga. Okay, so yeah. they still went out and and you know did the celebration, Arrested. and even though it yeah, was yeah. oh, I see. Did did you know any uh, of them, the boys that were the, the were assaulted? Um, personally, personally, no. Personally, no. Personally. And so you said it's been banned for it was banned for a while, just at Katanga though. That's that's uh, that if we are talking about the issues that led up um, that led to the um, demonstration on Monday. Yes, the banning was exclusive to just Katanga Hall. But then, when we reopened at first, when we opened school at first for the semester, it was banned for close to three weeks, and that wasn't exclusive to any hall. It was for the general school, but the one um, the ban recently was exclusive to just Katanga Hall because of the petrol bomb issue and the investigations should go on. But then when we reopened it was just it was it was for the general school, not just to uh, Katanga Hall. And Aaron, what is life normally like as a student there? Because I've I've never heard about any kind of unrest in Ghanaian universities. My background is Nigeria. I hear a lot about strikes with teachers and that kind of thing. But this is really unique for me. Or is it just that it's not being reported? Or is this just a an incident that is so crazy to happen? Yeah, it's not. It's not a usual thing that happens here. Um, then, okay, the tracing this, tracing this issue, what's brought about the unrest and all that. It started this semester actually, but then the remote cause of this issue was when um, Katanga Hall was converted from a single sex hall to a mixed hall. So the, I mean, when it happened that with Katanga and both Katanga Hall and uh, Katanga and Unity Halls were converted from single sex halls to mixed halls. Now, when it happened like that, the continuous then threatened threatened um, actions against um, the school and all those. You know, they were they were quite aggressive about it. So the vice chancellor, in order to control the situation or to match up to the threat of the boys decided to beef up security. So we had um, 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 water cannons, Ghana police water cannons running through campus, um, professional Ghana police 
personnel running through cam- campus and all that. So, Wait, all because they wanted the, the halls to be mixed with girls? They wanted, the, the, the conversion was done, but the boys threatened the action and all that. They wanted, they were aggressive about the whole action. So they basically... What's so wrong about girls? You don't want them at the you don't want them at the morale party, not party. Sorry, you don't want them at the morale celebrations. You don't want them in the halls. Apparently, Goodness. apparently, apparently, it's tradition and it's been that's that's been the case for a while now. That that's been the okay. Um, um, mm. So it's been a mill hall since inception. So you don't want to you know you don't want to change the tradition, so to say. No, I get so, it. I get okay. it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So don't change the tradition. That that so that was the what that was the reason for their um um how do we call it? that was the reason for their attacks and all that so they basically wanted to match up to the threat and they didn't want to be caught off guard so decided to beef up security and make it extra tight that brought about the um tension on campus and and the least the least uh, 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 aggressive activity the the. Uh, ends up with your arrest. Mm. Yeah. So that brought about this whole unrest on campus. So it was already brewing. It was a, it was already a tense atmosphere before this this incident. Yes, exactly. Right. Exactly. So you, exactly. you you mentioned about the protests that the students um, got involved in. It sounds as if it okay. it wasn't very peaceful. The communique that went out said a peaceful demonstration. Now it was a peaceful demonstration until a point where um, the police fired one in short. You know, already there, there was tension and th- there was tension. So I think the one in short just triggered the other side of students because mm-hmm. it was it was peaceful. The match was going on. Everybody was okay. And did, the did, normal thing. And, did you protest? Mm-hmm. Did you protest yourself? Oh yeah, as, as a student, I have to protest. <laughs> so was it was it like a I, I, massive turnout? Lot like loads of students turned out to like demand that you know enough is enough. Yeah, yeah. To stop. If okay. if if I'm not that Drayton, we should be around eight thousand. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the turnout was, but in the initial stages, the turnout wasn't good because I joined the match when when I I'm sorry when I joined the match we are somewhere around. 100, 150. But then, um, you know, the thing was, people thought or the student thought this wouldn't happen. Because, you know, in the typical Afghan pattern where you are scared to talk out, to talk to the elderly. Mm-hmm. So we thought, okay, this won't happen. So, but then the brave one started and all they needed was that one person who started. So as we went through campus, yes, yeah. as we went through campus, People joined, people joined, and, and, and we got that number. Okay. So how what what's what's the current situation? How has the university responded? Is has has calm settled now? Um currently currently everybody has been sacked from campus except the international students. So the university was shut down. Um students were sent home. I mean local Ghanaian students were sent home except for foreign students. So currently nobody's on campus, just um military and police patrol um on the campus and a curfew was was set for us. So there was a curfew from six 
p.m. to 6 a.m. So that that's how the curfew runs, 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. So it's still going on. We, we, uh, no, currently no, because there is no one on campus. But then um, a day before we left, or a day before they sent all of us back in home, um, it was it was done. But after that, but there's no one on campus actually except for international students just for international so what I mean when when are you going back into to study I mean you're you're there for a reason you've got I'm sure you're going to have exams you've got classes how disruptive is this going to be Uh, we're already confused especially for final year students because um, for some of you know for law students they have to finish on time so they can write for Ghana Law School, and you know they are meeting other schools that are still studying, and they are still home. They they'll have to kind of write the same exams, you know. So it's it's kind of worrying for some people, and, and it's so cool because then it means the academic timetable would have to be compromised, since that you have to run because we had to write a mid semester exam next week, and we won't be in school next week. So that means, but then wow, there's a date out that um, we are expected to go back by 8th November. So as we leave, this date was made known to us yesterday by the Ministry of Information. So expected, it's not, it's not a short date, or it's not that exact date, but then we are expected to go back by 8th November. School is expected to reopen by 8th November. So that's what we are working with now. Hopefully by 8th November, we should, we should, we should be back in school. The SOAF Spotlight. Spotlight is somewhat of a controversial choice, Kweku Adeboli, a man that was once dubbed the biggest road trader in British history. On Monday, he faced deportation for his conviction in 2012 for losing $2.3 billion of the Swiss bank UBS's money. His face became incredibly well known during his nine-week trial, which occurred where there was somewhat of a national hate towards bankers following the global financial crash. When he was sentenced, a judge told him his fall from grace as a result of these convictions is spectacular. He was called an accomplished liar who played God with UBS's money. He was found guilty of fraud and sentenced to seven years in jail, but was released after serving half his sentence. But he faces imminent deportation to Ghana after a judge rejected his latest appeal to remain in the UK. Why is this bad? Well, his father's UN peacekeeping career took him and his family away from Ghana when he was just four years old. And they went to Jerusalem and Damascus. When he was 12, he was sent to a boarding school in Yorkshire. Since moving to England, he's only been back to Ghana for visits. Ghana is not his home. England is. But sympathising with him is challenging. I find myself changing my mind about him constantly. One minute I feel sorry for him 
And then the next, I doubt that he fully grasps what he actually did and that he's actually taken full responsibility for the crime he committed. I must note that since he served his time, um, he's dedicated himself to public speaking and hosting workshops to warn people against making the same kind of mistakes he made while he worked for UBS. Here's probably the most difficult interview he's had to do to date. Uh, And he did this on BBC's Hard Talk with Stephen Sacker. Now, if you're a fan of the programme like I am, then you will know that that name wasn't given without reason. It's hard to be in the hard talk hot seat. We weren't cheating. And I think this is what people don't understand, is that in 2007, 2008, we were faced with a situation where the manager of our book, who had five years experience, would helped to build the book to increase the size of the book from a $200 million footprint to a $50 billion footprint within a space of three or four years, suddenly left the bank. And the bank had the option of replacing him, but replacing him with someone of The requisite experience would have cost the bank a lot of money. So they left myself and the person who became my supervisor between us. In your mid-twenties. In in my mid-twenties. I mean, the age is not that relevant. It it may be because we're into an area of judgment here and wisdom. And what you did was you began to do some, to many observers, totally unacceptable things. You created a a secret under-the-desk account. I think you called it the umbrella account, which you could dip in and out of and people wouldn't know. You started to log uh, phony trades to make it look as though hedges had been made when they actually hadn't. I mean, you were doing stuff that was completely wrong. Well, the reason that happened was because having been left without a manager, with the experience that we had, what would happen is we would go to our managers. And you've got to remember, this was at the beginning of the great financial crisis, unprecedented times when we were running a book that was unprecedented inside size at UBS and complexity. It's a brand new product, the ETF and index space. We would go to our managers and we would ask them and we would say to them, look, we face these problems right now. And what can we do to resolve them? And they would say, you are the experts. You are the ones who, who need to find a way to make it work. Do but what you, you bro- can you, to make it work. You're skirting around the, the key point. Here. You broke the rules and you knew you were breaking the rules. The problem with the, 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 the challenge we faced was that it, they were intractable why, why problems. after all of this time, and we're going to go through the story, mm-hmm. you, you know, you've served time. You were yes. done for fraud. Yes. Two charges, seven years in prison, you served four. Why can't you just now acknowledge to me, I did wrong, I'm sorry, and this, in, on reflection, is why I did it. Because it would be interesting for people to know, so we can perhaps learn yeah. some lessons. So, I mean, in terms of um, accepting my responsibility and the, the fact that I was found guilty of a crime, I've, I do accept my responsibility in what happened, and I've consistently apologized. In fact, the first thing I did in, in court was apologize through my lawyers. Beyond all words was actually the words we used. And, and you accept it was a crime. I accept that it was a crime because in the end, unfortunately, some parts of the bank knew what we were doing and some did not. And unfortunately, that meant that the bank was exposed to a risk of loss that it wasn't fully aware of. Yeah, the bank, the bank had a criminal in its midst and that criminal was you. Um, unfortunately, I think it, it needs to be put into the context of the environment we were working on. And it, I have to resile from some of the words you use because we were faced with an intractable challenge and if you if you, <laughs> you if, if you if you were faced with a challenge of how much money you wanted to make and you 
were at the absolutely greedy end of the spectrum. You wanted your desk to be top dog. You wanted the biggest bonus. And as far as the prosecution were concerned, you were, to use their phrase, a sophisticated liar and a master fraudster. I have to, I have to, whilst I accept that I was found guilty of a crime, I have to say that those words, I don't recognize those words as a fair description of who I am. I'm not a criminal mastermind fraudster. I never was. In fact, if you look at the, what was exposed during the trial, the knowledge of others, the mechanisms we use being known of by others, these, these mechanisms became accepted practice. And the reality is, in extremely complex situations, where we were, where we had difficult choices to make as to how to protect the bank from the pressures we were facing, we made choices that in the end were viewed as criminal by the outside world. But within the bank at the time, the activities we were undertaking were viewed in a way that made us feel that they were accepted practices. Overheard on the web. I must make this disclaimer immediately. I in no way endorse this message that I'm about to play. My crazy colleague that I'm not going to name sent it to me, so I wanted to share it with you all. And I repeat, I in no way agree with it at all. Hello, my people. Make a accent or something. You don't bump picking. And they can't be like, say, your picking don't they behave like who no get sense. Can't even reach level where you say you want potion and come off for house. I've been a yourself one wrong come off for house. Allow me, make I introduce you now to our brand new cutting edge technology, Koboko 2.0. <laughs> make you not confuse them with our other products we'll get, like Slap 1.1, Kong 2.2, or even our signature product, Slippers 2.0. With this new Obunge product, resetting sense don't easily die. Simply open them. Keep on where you're picking fish here. If you're picking talk nonsense, just touch and small. Or you say no one wash plates, touch and small. Or you can't even reach level where you're picking say no one go school again. Just look where the Koboko did. I swear, it will shock you how this thing they work. We even get another one. Koboko Plus. This one, you don't even need to show up. Just cut him, enter house. You get one special smear. Even your picking self will not see game don't change. If your picking no bow for Koboko Plus, no worry. We get another one. <coughs> Introducing to you Koboko X. This product was tried and tested in Wakanda. Even King Dichala himself can confess to the power of this product. It has the features of Koboko 1.0, Koboko 2.0, even Koboko Plus. This product we are hold for here contains vibranium. That's why if you give your picking one, it will start to vibrate. They vibrate. Right now, we will do bonanza for this product. If you buy one, inside the carton, we will take package this product for you. We will add Slap 1.0, Kong 2.3, and for an extra $10, we will even add product we will never release yet, as is a 1.0. This product is 100% tested and guaranteed. If you don't like them, return them. We will give you your money back. If you're picking, they behave like mama. Try Koboko. The So Av Podcast. Thank you so much 
for listening to another episode of the SOAF podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or a cast, wherever you listen to your podcast on your app. Uh, so you can make sure you keep up to date with episodes. You can uh, speak to me on Twitter, Instagram with the handle at Enor Adega. And I will share later how I recorded this episode. It is mind blowing. But anyway, until next week, bye bye. <laughs>